This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Had a lot of conversation in hour number one about potential trades that the Raiders could make to improve their team, both offensively and defensively. Talked to J.C. Jackson from the Patriots and a lot more Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now it's time to talk about another team and what they could do to try to potentially make their team a lot better in the leading up to the 2022 year and uh, we have Cody Rourke host of Locked On Broncos I call him the Broncos Adam Schefter he's with us on the show and Cody I appreciate your time man it was great to see you at, uh, at Super Bowl Radio Road man did you ever recover from from being out there it was like a it was a big uh, I'm trying to think like a rat race out there but did you recover in time <laughs> no it was great seeing you Q and obviously being able to, to get to hang out with you a person for a little bit dude it, it was crazy you know it's like being in LA, being around all the, you know, everyone that's there, interviewing all the people we got to interview and coming back to like the normal life is like the, the high of being in LA was fun. But then it's like, you go back to your normal reality day to day, making podcasts. You're like, dang, it's just not the same. So <laughs> I, I'm recovered now, but man, you know, looking forward to next year in Arizona. Right. It, it will be a lot of fun. I'll tell you one thing I look forward to uh, sleeping on my own pillow. Once I got to my own house yes. and slept on my own pillow, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I slept on a sofa in one of our Airbnb. We had a lot of people, you know, from our company staying at that. So I, you know, I, I was a graceful, graceful one, and I took the sofa and I was like, "You guys can have the beds. I'll take care of the sofa. Don't worry about it. You know, paying my dues, things like that." Uh, but you know, I'm excited, and, I, and look, I'm excited about being in Vegas here in April for the NFL draft, and uh, I know I'll see you there, man. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, we're we're gonna be uh, blessed to have you out here and hanging out with us, man. I look forward to it as well. Now, I wanted to get to to talk about you know the the Broncos. They obviously have new coaching staff. They have new front office guys. Uh, what has been your overall thought on Nathaniel Hackett and everyone he's been able to bring in, and like I said, the front office as well. Uh, you know, I think the vibe right now in Denver, there's some optimism, right? And anytime you make a new hire, or like, you know, when things aren't going right with the old regime and you bring in a new one, there's always this fresh sense of optimism. And I think that's what's going on in Broncos country. And obviously for George Payton, Broncos fans have been very pleased with Payton and, and his tenure coming in and just what he's been able to do to, to provide changes both in the short and the long term that benefit the Broncos going forward. And obviously this is a coaching staff now with Nathaniel Hackett, you bring in, you know, a lot of young guys, you know, a lot of like, when you look at the overall experience in the NFL, there aren't many guys on the staff that have extensive NFL experience, but you have young up and coming rising coaches. And obviously it helps when you bring in a guy like Dom Capers to be your senior defensive assistant for first year defense coordinator, Giro Evro, who's obviously going to come in and work with his Broncos defense. There's just a lot of energy. You know, Q, the one thing I'll say that kind of stood out to me in the presser yesterday in Denver was that, these coaches talked about building relationships and putting the players first, scheme second. Last year with Pat Shermer, Broncos players came to Pat Shermer and said, hey, coach, you know, this hasn't really been working out for us. Can we try this? And Pat Shermer's response to these players on the offensive side of the ball was, I'm the coach, you're the players, you guys just worry about executing, and I'm going to keep drawing up plays. So there was no collaboration, there was no input from the players, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Players I've spoken to are super excited about this new coaching staff. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the on-field product is. But the optimism, it's always fun. 
Right. No, it's always the optimism is always there. Uh, no doubt about it. We're talking with Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, of course, the big elephant in the room we all know is the quarterback position. The Denver Broncos have to address that quarterback position. We've heard a lot out of Green Bay of the past few days with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. What's he going to do? Is he going to retire? Is he going to play somewhere else? Uh, is it a full court press as far as you're concerned when it comes to the Broncos and Aaron Rodgers? Or is there a plan B in your in your mind? Well, you know, from what from what I understand and what's been reported by you know Benjamin Albright, who also covers the Broncos, is, is pretty close with what's going on there within the organization. You know, one thing he says that the Broncos do have various trade packages ready for Aaron Rodgers if, in fact, he is made available via trade. Uh, plan B would be for them to maybe inquire with the Seahawks about Russell Wilson, but it, you know, as of right now, it doesn't seem like the Seahawks will budge with that. It seems like he may be back. We'll have to see how things kind of formulate through the next couple of weeks. But outside of that, then plan, you know, the third plan there is for the Broncos to focus in this year's NFL draft. And it's not necessarily about going out and, and getting the most high profile guy, but maybe finding a guy that they feel like they can develop with this coaching staff, with obviously Clint Kubiak, who's now the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, trying to find an actual emphasis in Denver on QB development, which, Q, this has not happened in the history of the organization. <laughs> they have never really developed a quarterback. So, you know, maybe they do so now, and there's still the opportunity for Drew Locke to be on this roster. He's still under contract, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if even Drew Locke becomes a starter here in 2022 for Denver and kind of like this final audition because I think a lot of his skill set and what he can do, I feel like it translates really well to maybe what this offensive scheme is predicated off of. So, that you know, that's my hope here with Denver. But, you know, right now it's really hard to see. Their hope is that they can make, make a run at Rodgers. If not, they'll look elsewhere. If not, they're going to focus on building and saving up that draft capital that they have and maybe using it this year. With no disrespect to Drew Locke at all, if he does end up starting the season as the quarterback, how disappointed will the fan base be? I think the fan base will be fairly disappointed. Now, I think that the fan base, you know, you know this is always cute. There's, in fan bases, there's always a split. There's a, right. there's a portion of the fan base that loves Drew Locke. He can do no wrong. He hasn't gotten the right opportunity. There's the other part of the fan base that Drew Locke breathes or sneezes, and all of a sudden it's the, you know, the end of the world, like he's the worst person in the world, and things like that. You know, I think Drew's decision-making over time has been his biggest hindrance as an NFL quarterback, but there's also been things in his game where he's actually improved, and I felt like at the end of the season here for Denver, he did a really good job taking care of the football. Now, granted, there was the one play against the Bengals. He fumbled the ball on a read option snap. You obviously don't want that, but in terms of throwing interceptions, he didn't throw any. He was efficient with that. He gave the Broncos a chance to win. He wasn't a reason they lost the game, so uh, you know, there's things that you can take with a young guy there. But, you know, unfortunately for Drew Locke, he was not put in a situation with Pat Shermer. And I would say this for the majority of the Broncos' offense. Those players were not put in a position to succeed because the system was very archaic and you had a coach who was not willing to adapt and evolve. So that was a little bit of a hindrance, I think, for the Broncos' offense. Yeah, I saw you retweeting a video from Jim Nagy about Desmond Ritter at the Senior Bowl. And I've seen some mock drafts already that haven't projected to go to number nine. Do you think that that would be a good pick for the Broncos at nine? I wouldn't necessarily say at number nine. I feel like maybe second-round quarterback, I think it's possible. Now, I think right now the big issue with this year's quarterback class, nobody knows who exactly is QB1 here. Right. We're going to find out a little bit more once we see the NFL scouting combine and obviously the players testing. Thankfully, the NFL moved away from the bubble, and they said, hey, you know what? Okay, fine. At your own risk, you can go out, you can work with your people, but make sure you take the necessary precautions. Once we get some of the combine numbers, we can see, and the pro days, we'll see whose stock elevates a little bit. Maybe if there's a guy that separates himself from the rest. But, you know, the reality is, too, and I was just having this conversation, 
you know, when you look at this year's quarterback class or any quarterback class for that matter, I mean, we can make we can even reference Trevor Lawrence as well. Trevor Lawrence was a fantastic elite college football quarterback. He came in his rookie season in the NFL and he struggled. Granted, his environment was something different than maybe some other guys normally get. But you know, you look at like the expectation now with rookie quarterbacks, they got to come in and put up Patrick Mahomes like numbers in year like the, the it's Patrick Mahomes second year in the NFL. It's super unrealistic, and I think that the recency bias has really clouded the way that we all evaluate quarterbacks and the expectations for these young guys coming into different organizations. So I think I think a lot of that is really important when we break it all down. You know, sticking with the draft and uh, the Broncos picking at number nine, that's where they got Patrick Sertain at a year ago, right, number nine? Yes, sir. Back-to-back so, years, number nine. Yeah, picking at number nine again. So what's the target then if the quarterback's not? And I agree with you that I don't think that there's a quarterback that's a top-ten guy, but somebody will go and get one because they need one. They're desperate. What would be the target for the Broncos, in your opinion, at number nine? Well, you know, I think a lot of it would be contingent upon a couple positions. You know, we mentioned quarterback. Let's say the quarterback's addressed in free agency. Let's say the Broncos trade for a guy, or if they don't trade for a guy, let's say they're focused on building with, you know, the NFL draft. They have second-round picks. They can do it. They have a pick, a pick 40, where they can maybe get a guy like Desmond Ritter, or they could trade capital to move back in around one if they really like a guy. But the the other need that they have is edge rusher. I mean, they lost Von Miller. You trade him away. You know, you do have Bradley Chubb who's entering a very important contract year from his standpoint of where he is at. Um, and I think that when we go back and we look at the trajectory, you know, you got guys like Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper on the roster, but this is a pretty solid edge rusher class. And maybe you can get David Ojabu out of Michigan. I know a lot of people are projecting Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and there's a lot of other teams that have different needs before edge rusher that'll pick before Denver. So he could fall to Denver as their next edge rusher there, obviously in a 3-4 defensive scheme now under new defense coordinator, Zero Evero. Uh, so that's that. And then the other one would be like right tackle. The Broncos have not had a solidified option at right tackle in quite some time. They'd have to figure out who would be the right pick. I think those would be the main options we see on the table. All right. Talking right now with Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Got to ask you about free agency. Uh, right now, and I know that they can open up a lot more free agent money, salary cap space. They have like $40 million uh, in salary cap space. What kind of holes do you think that the Broncos need to fill throughout the course of free agency? You know, I think one of the important things is, you know, making sure that you bring some key guys back. Look at linebacker, you have Kenny Young, who's going to be a free agent. And obviously, George Payton had traded for him in season because Denver's linebacker depth got tested. They lost both Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell to season-ending injuries at the beginning part of the season, and they were really struggling to stop the run without some guys. So they went and they got Kenny Young, who obviously bolstered things right away. You have Baron Browning, who's obviously not a free agent. He's going to be a second-year player. He'll play the wheel linebacker position, but Kenny Young is a priority, in my opinion. You want a guy that can play against the run aggressively, that can cover in the passing game. And with the NFL and the 3-4 scheme, how versatile it is now, he would be the perfect option for Denver there. I think you solidify that. But then you have to make the decision. What about cornerback? Look, you got Ronald Darby, you got Patrick Chen as second, and you have Justin Simmons at free safety. Kareem Jackson is strong safety. will be an unrestricted free agent. His value is so extensive to the Broncos. I would argue maybe signing into a one- or two-year contract extension while you continue to develop Caden Stearns behind him. Or you play Caden Stearns in the dime the way he played this season. Outside of that, it's cornerback. Do you bring back Bryce Callahan inside the nickel, uh, or you know, or do you let him go elsewhere? I, I think right there, those are the top priorities here in free agency that I have to look at for the Broncos. And then lastly would be you need a true solidified nose tackle behind Mike Purcell that could help spell him from time to time. 
Uh, he's dealt with injuries the last couple of years, and I think it would be super important for Denver to go out and get a guy, a young guy, you know, even likely in free agency that can play a zero-tech, can play a one-tech, and can be an anchor on the interior there for that defensive line. Final question for you. Uh, you mentioned cornerback. J.C. Jackson is a guy that looks like there may be some rumblings in New England. Maybe he's going to get out of there. They'll probably franchise tag him. Uh, do you think the Broncos have any interest in trading and signing him? Uh, so, sorry, I broke up there for a second. Can you repeat that one? Yeah, yeah. J.C. Jackson. He's a uh, he's a defensive back there in uh, in oh, New England. Yeah. He, he's New a England. stud. Yes, stud. absolute stud. Do you think the Broncos would have any any interest in trading for him? Because I think he's going to get franchise tagged and then signing him to a big time deal. Ooh, that would be tough. I mean, that's a lot of money you'd put in your secondary with Darby's contract. I mean, yes, you have Patrick Sustan still on a rookie deal. Um, I do think you know J.C. Jackson. Like I said, I think you get the non exclusive franchise tag in New England. I think they would pay him around $17.5 million in 2022 if he played on the tag, or they can tr- try to lock him up. I mean, for him, 17 interceptions cue in two years and 37 <laughs> pass breakups. Right. Unbelievable. You know, he did get toasted a little bit in the playoffs by Stephon Diggs, but everybody does. I right. Stephon Diggs from time to time. He's a talented young player, especially being an undrafted guy. I, I wouldn't be opposed to Denver doing that, but you'd, you'd have to have a plan. Like, where are you going to play him? Are you going to play him on the outside? Are you going to play him inside the nickel? I, I feel like he's a better outside cornerback there. Mm-hmm. He could play the nickel, uh, but then you have to figure out who you'd be moving out of Ronald Darby or Patrick Sertan. Where do you want to move those guys, inside or outside? Good question. It's a good problem to have, I think. You know, you, you have those, you have that outside <laughs> lockdown like that. Uh, that's a good problem to have, but uh, it's something that we'll find out sooner rather than later. Well, Cody, uh, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. What you got coming out on uh, Locked Out Broncos that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Oh, man, you know, we just got through our free agency preview. We broke down every position that Denver has, taking a look at unrestricted free agents, whether or not the Broncos should bring anybody back, whether they should look somewhere on the free agency market elsewhere. And then we also have something coming out this week. We talk about the Broncos' introductory status here with all their new coaches, the excitement that's brewing in Broncos country. And I'm looking forward to when we get across it over two times a year here <laughs> once again, Q, talking about the Broncos versus Raiders. You know, i got a lot of respect for Raiders Nation. Uh, you know, my goal is to come out there and, and you know, cover a game, Broncos Raiders out there in beautiful Las Vegas, my friend. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cody, appreciate you as always, my man. We'll be talking soon. Thanks so much. Sounds good, my man. Appreciate you. All right, there he goes. That's my guy, Cody Rourke, and uh, it's a good dude right there. Again, I call him the the Broncos' uh, Adam Schefter right there. He's got a little Adam Schefter there in his voice, and uh, that's not a bad thing. He, he does his thing. I was able to hang out with him for a little bit there in L.A. when uh, when we were there for Radio Row for Super Bowl week. Uh, good dude, along with the rest of the Locked On guys. Uh, right now, let's go ahead and give out something. All right, how about 702-365-9200? How about calling call number nine? You're going to get hooked up with two tickets for Sunday's Pennzoil 400. I know my guy Jason's a big racer. Jason likes to race, man. Jason, he has the need for speed. Well, anyone else has a need for speed? Any NASCAR folks out there, any NASCAR fans, March 4th through 6th is going on at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We've got tickets for you right now, a pair of tickets in your hand, 702-365-9200. If you want ticket information, go to LVMS.com. But you want those free ones? If it ain't free, it ain't me. Holla at your boy right now. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 
Congratulations to Joe, who got hooked up with some tickets, even though I don't think he believes DeMond yet. <laughs> DeMond is literally on the phone trying to get this guy to give him his information. Joe's like, are we going together? Wait, what's your name? He's like, I'm DeMond. Well, I'm Joe. Well, Joe, what's the rest of your information? Well, did I win? Yes, you won, Joe. You are a winner. Joe don't want to give up the information. We ain't going to open up no credit card in your name, Joe. We just need your information, brother. 2.22 is the time. Coming up at 2.30, Ryan Roberts, Believe Podcast Network, host of NFL Draft Prospects and analyst for RiseAndDraft.com, will join us to talk all things scouting combine, NFL draft. You got some uh, some guys that you want us to ask about, hit us up. We had a couple yesterday that we didn't get to. I'll get to those today off top. So hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. Some guys that you may have your, uh, your mind set on, potentially, for the upcoming NFL draft. Always fun time of season. Uh, I got a text from Junebug from the Bay. Q, you're 100% correct. It's time to stop being conservative and start being aggressive in the offseason. Bringing in a guy like Adams will fix our red zone problems. You put Adam out wide, Waller out wide, Renfro in the slot, defense can't double cover all three. Who's stopping that? Make it happen. Again, Junebug from the Bay. Shout out to Junebug. Definitely appreciate that. Got a text from Racer Jason. Ha ha, nice reference. I'll be there at NASCAR repping the Raiders. There you go. That a boy. Got a text from Big Dub Raider Q&D. I'm out here delivering. Didn't know y'all started a whole hour earlier. Go Raiders. Appreciate that. Got a text. Raiders are closer to 80 million in cap space than 20 million. We can afford it. I've seen a few of those charts that say that they're closer to, I've even seen one that said they were closer to $100 million. I'll, I, I understand how they can get there, but they ain't there yet. So I understand kind of the dynamics on how they can get there. So I know that a lot of these things could be done and a lot of these players that we're talking about could be had. But until they're like officially at that kind of spot, I'm still going to work with the, they're at $20 million in cash space because that's what they're currently at. Again, things, things can happen. Uh, let's see. We got a text or got a tweet. Got a couple. Got a couple of really good tweets. I do appreciate that. One from R. Hooven, and we're gonna get to this conversation at some point in the show too. I'll, I'm t- you guys are wearing me out. I'll tell you that right now. I never get mad at Raider Nation, but y'all wearing me out. Y'all gonna get off of Jennifer Lopez, man. Y'all gonna get off Jennifer Lopez. I had to. I had to fight for her yesterday. She don't know how much I'm fighting for. She's, she's, she's got a cat in the 702 that's fighting for her, and she don't even know it. Why? Because, it's, hey, man, y'all just leave her alone, man. She made a couple mistakes, so what? More than a couple. Hey, look, bro. How many exes have you had? All I, right. I care not to comment. Exactly. See, how, how about everybody put your business out on the street, how many exes you had? We all done been there and done that, messed up once or twice. So what if she messed up five times? It's only five. I mean, it was marriage, but still. Uh, R. Hooven said, I don't always propose, but when I do, it's to Jennifer Lopez. I'm with you on that. But yeah, yeah, we're going to get in that conversation why I'm even going off about that. Because y'all going to leave the memes and J-Lo alone at some point. You better put somebody else in that conversation. That's on Twitter. Uh, Efren. Shout out to Efren on Twitter. Said, what's up with your callers wanting to bargain shop for players instead of going all in? Go all in and out like the last two Super Bowl champs did. I'm with you. I really am. I mean, I really I really am. I think that there's chances for the Raiders to make a big-time move. 
and go get a big-time player. Again, that's only if he's available. Green Bay could say, you know what, and they actually had conversations about that today. It doesn't even sound like the it doesn't even sound like the the franchise tag is something that they want to do when it comes to Devontae Adams. So more likely, they'll probably find a way to get him under the under the the cap, get him extended. Probably end up getting this probably this whole conversation is probably nail and void. They'll probably end up re-signing Aaron Rodgers or extending Aaron Rodgers and extending Devontae Adams and running it back, and all this is for nothing. But you know, it's the, the last dance part two. Right, exactly. I would not be shocked at all if they just if they end up running it back. But that's just me. So uh yeah, good good stuff on the on the text and the tweets as well. Again, 702-365-9200. And then Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword R Uh let's see, you got one more. The mailman raider said Blake freaking Bortles. And then talked about because I didn't know what that meant at first and then talked about Allen Robinson he said I'm still in the A-Rob camp because like I said he was a top five wide receiver with Blake Bortles throwing them cars far and beyond better than Bortles I'll say I'll be happy with either so he's good with with Robinson or Devontae Adams and I think that they would both be really good I just think that Adams is just a different dude you know I mean he's just a different dynamic he's just he's that guy he absolutely is that guy again I mean when you have the best wide receiver and I know that Robinson did some good things with not very much throwing at him. Bortles, terrible. Dalton, terrible. Fields, still learning. Trubisky, stinks. I mean, you can the, the list goes on and on. So Carr is way better than any of those guys. I just think Devontae Adams is, is on a, a whole another level by himself. 30 years or older, I don't care. I don't care if he's 30 years or older. I know that there's wide receivers that haven't been so productive at 30. I know some that were. Jerry Rice is one. Tim Brown is another one. They went to the damn Super Bowl. Now they lost, but they went to the Super Bowl. You just named two Raiders. Because that, that's all I need to do. <laughs> it's Raider Nation Radio 920. I gave you two examples of two guys that were on your team. <laughs> what else do you want me to do? I got a couple examples. That's all I need. And they both played together. That's all I need. It's like it's like uh, it's at that commercial, that movie. I'm not a movie guy, but that commercial says uh, Michael Jordan is 6-0 in the, in the finals. That's the only example you now have. That's the only one I need. It's the only one I need. All right, guys, can anybody look up the commercial for that movie? You know what movie I'm talking about, right? That just somehow referenced Michael Jordan in the commercial. You don't remember movie? that, but you don't know that movie. I'm not a movie guy, and I know that movie. It's the, the little boy. For the it's the little boy is arguing. It's it's like this guy's on, on not house arrest, but he had to do something because he got in trouble. How do you not know? You're a movie guy. That is, it's like that one game, the game, you know, the game where the shot was made. That's basically no, what you're saying right now. it's in the commercial for the movie where he says, Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. He's 6-0 in, in the finals. Is that the only example that you have? He's like, it's the only one I need. I don't think this movie exists. Joe. It absolutely exists. It absolutely exists. I'll bet you. What do you want to bet? Let's bet 50 push-ups. On-demand push-ups that this movie exists. You still owe me push-ups. Well, that's, I, I'm not going to do them until you tell me to do them. So, so, but I'm saying let's not create any bets here. This, I'm not this saying, is how confident I am that I know that this movie exists because it was one of my favorite parts of the movie and I just saw the commercial. It's not your favorite movie. You only no, saw the I said, commercial. I know, but I liked it. And I, re- I I believe in that. When you only need one argument, that's all you need. I don't like to go in there and go back and forth. I just want to go in there and make my point and bounce. I'm in and out, brother. I'm like the burger joint. You want to take a break real quick? Yeah, 229 is the time. When we come back, we'll be joined by Ryan Roberts. He's the host of the NFL Draft Prospects and... He's from RiseAndDraft.com. He'll join us next to talk all things Combine and Draft. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 
Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. couple quick notes real quick. Got a few... Text messages, tweets, all that good stuff. The movie that I was looking for, Raider Nut said Coffee and Kareem. I don't think it was that. I never heard of that movie. Uh, bad Teacher is the movie. Isn't that the one with, uh, what's her name in it, where she's the Cameron Diaz. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's that one either. Uh, then we got Fargo Raider said Role Models. I think that that's the one. I think it was Role Models, but uh, that's me not knowing my movies very well, so shame on me. But right now on the phone lines, a uh, guy that knows the combine and the draft very well is Ryan Roberts from the Believe Podcast Network, host of NFL Draft Prospects, analyst for RiseAndDraft.com. You can find him on Twitter at RiseAndDraft. And Ryan, thank you so much for your time. And uh, Scouting Combine, right around the corner, there was conversation about it being bubbled up. It's not bubbled up now. They changed that quick, fast, and in a hurry. When you look at the Combine, who do you feel like it benefits the most? uh, Well, first and foremost, Q, I appreciate you having me on, man. I I mean, who does it benefit most? I think that, I mean, we saw a couple years ago, right, when uh, actually last year when the Combine was shut down, it really did, I, I think, it, it costs, obviously, kids a lot of opportunities to showcase, you know, their, their skill sets and, and their athletic testing and to kind of, you know, force scouts, if they hadn't, you know, gone deep into the tape, to maybe go back into the tape. That's kind of what the combine and pro day circuit just in general are for, right, to kind of pop onto the screen. So, I, I mean, 324 players, uh, you know, about <laughs> about 70 of those kids are not, are not going to get drafted that are there at least, probably more. So I think that a lot of small school kids will probably be affected. And, and more than anything, I think the skill position is always one where, you know, offensive line, defensive line to a degree, sometimes safety, linebacker to a, to a smidge. You know, sometimes athletic testing can be a little overrated for some positions specifically. But I think the wide receivers, cornerbacks, like those positions that are, that are just in advanced space, showcasing their type of athletic profile, I think that those those types of players are the ones that really benefit most, are usually the risers, quote-unquote, after the week. We talked uh, yesterday about quarterbacks and some running backs, so let me look at the defensive side of the ball and the DBs. I'm always uh, intrigued by the DBs. I think that the Raiders need a couple of them, as a matter of fact. Uh, they're picking at number 22, so how deep do you think that this defensive back class is? I mean, it's especially a corner. It is outside of edge, the edge spot, defensive ends, and, and three, four outside backers. I think that it's probably the deepest in the class when we're talking about corners. I mean, everybody knows the names. Derek Stingley, Ahmad Sauce Garner from Cincinnati, Ahmad, uh, Andrew Boot Jr. from Clemson. But there's guys like Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon from Washington. And there, I mean, there are guys littered throughout the class as far as cornerbacks. Safeties, on the other hand, like I think that – we are obviously looking at Kyle Hamilton at safety, who is head and shoulders, in my opinion, the top safety in this class. But then you're still looking at guys like Jaquan Brisker after him. Um, that is, I think, going to be relatively in that first-round conversation. You saw guys like Kirby Joseph out of Illinois that's kind of been a rise throughout the process, deeper into the, you know, the FCS level, guys like Marquise Bell. Um, so I think that it is a tremendous draft if you have a need, specifically a corner, but at safety as well. I think the Raiders will have 
you know, you know, pick from several guys if that is where they're kind of leaning in their first round pick. And I see that there's a lot of good options potentially. You know, I don't think that Sauce Gardner is a guy that they have any chance to get. I mean, they're picking at 22. He's going to be long gone. Derek Stingley Jr. is a guy that really, you know, came on the scene at LSU, was fantastic as a freshman, but he's been banged up so much. What Do you, do you think that this yeah. will really help him as far as the medicals go? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing for, for Stingley because everybody knows, I mean, he's been a – I mean, I think he won, at one of the openings, he ran like four three flat coming out of high school. Everybody knows that he's going to be, you know, six plus, maybe six foot one, long arms. I imagine somewhere thirty two plus inch arms. He's going to test outstanding. Like those things are easy to see because you could watch him even when the tape is sometimes uneven. You could see all the athletics, all, all the athleticism just pop off the screen. The biggest thing is that since his twenty nineteen season, which historically speaking, may have been the greatest freshman season we've ever seen from a cornerback, at least in my, in my memory. But the last two seasons, we're talking, you know, obviously he was, he's been banged up the last two. 2020 was extremely uneven. Um, and he obviously he, plays, he played in the uh, best conference in all of college football, so he's seeing guys on a week-to-week basis that are just fantastic players from the Jerry Judys, the Devonta Smiths, the Henry Ruggs. I mean, those guys – not only just in Alabama, but just littered through that con- that conference over the last few years. So you saw a little bit of une- unevenness in 2020 fighting through an injury, and then it cost him only, uh, you know, played a, f- a few games, and then it cost him the, la- the the majority of this past season. So I think that if he's able to just kind of check that box, I think that somebody is still going to potentially take him in the top 10 to 15 because, again, when you're talking about just the traits, and especially that position that demands those traits, um, in, in large, I think that he's still going to go very high, but it's it's obviously definitely a question that he has to answer. Talking all things draft in the combine right now with Ryan Roberts on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. As far, uh, you mentioned uh, Gordon out of uh, Washington. We had someone hit us up on our text line asking about him. Uh, what are your thoughts yep. on him? Where do you think he goes as far as kind of what round and upper half of the round or lower half of the round? Yeah, I, I mean, going into the season, everybody was kind of talking about Trent McDuffie, and McDuffie's a fantastic player. I mean, but there's a there's a legitimate there's a legitimate argument that you could say Kyler Gordon is the more athletically gifted player out of the two, you know, because he's he is six foot plus compared to a McDuffie that's right around five foot ten, five foot eleven. So he's got the length. He's an explosive athlete. I mean, he's supposed to test outstanding four four, maybe better in the forty yard dash. He's supposed to have a forty plus inch vertical. He has all the athleticism in the world. Um, it was just until this year, he had just kind of had sporadic production. You know, he had sporadic playing time. He played a lot more this season, and he had some ball production. I think that there was definitely still some technical issues as far as working in press and just comfortability working zone, you know, consistently. But that's to be expected for a guy that hasn't played a ton of football. But when you're just kind of drawing up what a press man corner at the next level, man-to-man corner, Kyler Gordon is what you what you picture in your mind. So he's got a lot of a lot of tools to work with. I think a steady second round player, maybe top half of the second round, depending on how he tests. If he tests out the gym, I wouldn't even be surprised maybe if he sneaks into the latter stages of the first. But I, I think top of the second is probably more where you should peg him, depending upon the uh, the athletic testing. Who do you feel is just the best overall defensive player in this draft? Would it be uh, the young man out of Michigan, Hutchinson? No, um, actually, in my opinion, man, and, and obviously you're always going to rate the uh, defensive end, the, the pass rushers over a safety, but Kyle Hamilton, for my buck, is the best in this draft. Okay. If, if there is, and it's the most overused thing, and I, I hate it so much. I put it on Twitter all the time. I hate the word generational because I, I think people just overuse it so much, but 
Kyle Hamilton is the the closest thing to generational in this class, in my opinion. Because when you're talking about finding comparisons for a guy that is six three, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, you have to start talking about the Steve Atwaters, the Kenny Eastleys, like mm. that brand, the Sean Taylors, like because that that size profile just doesn't come around. And then you kind of get your preconceived notions in your head, right? Like six four, two twenty. That's a box safety. That's Cam Chancellor. And then you see him against Florida State working opposite hash all the way to the sideline and showing this just absurd range that led him at Notre Dame, which is a good defense, a lot of times play single high free safety because he is just the best athlete on the field every time he's on the field. So I think that this kid, and he's another guy that was banged up this year. He was a little banged up in 2020, kind of working through you know a, a really good season obviously as a sophomore. The, the, I think the medicals is, is a, a good checkpoint for him as well because he, he has been banged up a little bit. Durability is going to be one of the, one of the small types of uh, you know, uh, holes you're going to try to poke in a guy like Hamilton. But health-wise, as long as everything checks out, I think he's the best player in the draft. He obviously would not go first overall because he's a safety. But if there's anything close to generational, I think it's Kyle Hamilton. Some of the guys that I've seen uh, the Raiders get mocked, and of course mock drafts are what they are, you know, and, and you see all kind of differences all the time. But I saw uh, Andrew Booth, a guy that you mentioned before from Clemson, the cornerback. He's a junior. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I, I know he's he's decent in pre- press and he's kind of okay in in uh, in zone coverage. But what are your thoughts? Well, IQ, I'll tell you, I if for my money, I actually have Andrew Booth Jr. as the top corner in this class. Wow. And I know that okay. that is. So it's a little bit of a hot take because I know some people, especially the McShays and the Kuipers of the world, are kind of voicing that the NFL values, you know, Mod Gardner as maybe the top guy. Yes. And then obviously Stanley's been the guy that's been on the mind for a long time for evaluators. But when I look at Booth, I mean, that kid is, if he's not 4-4 low, he's going to be 4-3 high. Like he's somewhere in that ballpark. Mm. He is the best corner I've ever evaluated when talking about his body control and be, being able to play the football in the air. The kid has wide receiver ball skills, and he's just tapping in because they're down the stretch of the season. He was playing fantastic football. In 2020, he was splitting reps with Sheridan Jones for some odd reason, even though every time he's playing on the field, I feel like he was making a play. So <laughs> he's also maybe the best tackling corner in this class, potentially, either him or, or, um, or one, of the Michigan, uh, one, of, sorry, one of the Washington kids. I think probably McDuffie is, is maybe one of the best outside of him, but – I think Booth has every talent to be in that lockdown top 10 type of player. Um, I want to see, you know, kind of how the narrative changes because I think that he's, I mean, he's in every first round mock, but I feel like I don't see him, you know, top 10, top 15 a ton. But I think that could change as people kind of start digging in a little more and if he tests the way that I think he can. You know, he's a guy that could be on the rise uh, depending on what he does at the at the combine. And, yeah, like I said, I've seen him mock to the Raiders multiple times at 22, and so that's obviously the, the back end of round number one. Of course, my guy is the same guy that you mentioned before, Sauce Gardner. You know, there's always one guy that you, you, you look at and you're like, that's the dude right there. That's the guy. Right. Uh, I, I like Sauce a lot. What do you think about his game translates to the NFL? And, and how much do you think – how quickly do you think it will translate? Yeah, I actually have a little bit of mix on Sauce. You know, I was kind of hesitant on him in the summer, and he's really he really has grown on me because I mean I don't think there's any cornerback in this class that is better at using his length, whether that is at the catch point or just being able to carry larger receivers down the field or transition and and do all those types of things. Like I I feel like he has a really high floor to him because I mean it's been noted, right? Like, and you're gonna hear it 20 billion times at the combine this year and didn't give up a touchdown during his career. So obviously he was very productive for three seasons. 
I'm interested, though, to see what kind of athlete he is. Because I think he's a good athlete. I'm not sure if I think he's a great athlete. I'm, I want to see what that 40 time looks like. I want to see what those explosive numbers look like, just so you can check it all off the box. If, if you right. check all those boxes with him, then I think that he's a safe guy that's going to go top 15, right? Like, I think that that's a pretty safe assumption. I'm just a little curious, though, because I, I really just don't think I see a great athlete on film. I see a good athlete on film. That's why I think maybe his ceiling is not quite as high as a guy like a Stingley or a Booth, but his floor might be a little higher than both, which is kind of where the interesting conversation comes into play. I like it. I mean, hey, look, that's why we have you on to, to you know, to break it down and let me know exactly what I need to be uh, paying attention to and who I need to be paying attention to. Again, we're talking with Ryan Roberts right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. We've been talking a lot about this corner position. You said it's one of the deepest positions in the draft. But what's the threshold for this guy is not a first-rounder, in your opinion? If, if that player is available, uh, I think it might be the top four. But is there a fifth one that may be a first-rounder? That's a great question. It's a great question. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say, obviously, we talked a lot about the top three. I think Trent McDuffie's a first-round player, but I wouldn't be shocked if he goes early second round just because, again, I, I think he's going to be about – Five foot ten and some change, and I think he's a good athlete. I think he's going to test as a good athlete, but if he doesn't, then you're talking about a slightly smaller corner that might fall a little bit. I still think he ends up going there. There's probably another corner that gets drafted, but I think after number four is pretty much that threshold, in my opinion, because then you're getting into guys like the Kyler Gordons of the world. You're getting into guys like Roger McCreary from Auburn, who, who some people like a lot. I don't quite value those guys quite into the first-round conversation, but I think that that tier break does happen right around four, so I absolutely do agree with that. Okay, but do you think that some of those second-round guys, do you think that they still have potential to be day-one starters? Yes, 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 I do. I, 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 w- I would be shocked if a guy like a like – a, so, again, if, if um, even McCreary, but I was going to say McDuffie, like both of those guys are just so instinctive. There might be a little more – Scheme specific in the sense where they, I mean, McCreary, everyone was talking about at the senior bowl. He had sub 30 inch arms, which is not a threshold you want to be under for corners, but he, he's just so intelligent. McDuffie's so intelligent. I feel like in the right system, they're going to be immediate starters. I would be shocked if Trent McDuffie, honestly, was not a, you know, a at least half the season type plus of starters next year. So I think that you can definitely get into five, six, seven guys deep into this conversation that could start potentially early. And then after that, you still have developmental potential all over the board. I mean, the kid like Tariq Woolen from UTSA, while he might not be a guy that's going to start, you know, a majority of the, of this, of, uh, the games in his rookie year, his talents to the ceiling, you know, 6'3 plus and 4'3 and four, 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 speed, supposedly. Guys like Joshua Williams that we saw out of Fayetteville State down at the Combine. So I think six is a very safe number for potential, you know, day one early starters in the NFL. But then there's a plethora of guys that I could argue – maybe starting by the end of the rookie year. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, I got a text message that I wanted to hit you. A couple guys out of Arkansas, uh, Myron Cunningham, the offensive tackle, and Jalen Catalan, uh, strong safety out of Arkansas. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, well, Catalan Catalan went back to school, so he's not a part of the 2022 draft. Okay. Um, But he is a guy where he plays – he reminds me a lot of Matt Elam, if you remember him coming out of Florida, for good and bad reasons. (laughs) He he didn't turn out great, but, I mean, he was a lot of fun, super physical type of player, but came a little bit out of control, so he missed some tackles. Um, Has some zone instincts and short zones, but, like, you don't know what quite his impact is on, you know, working from depth. So there's a little bit of an odd projection with a guy like Catalan, but I think he made a good decision by going back to school and hopefully rising that stock. 
Myron Cunningham has been kind of a guy. He was a former transfer, and he's been a, you know a multi-year starter for Arkansas. He has kind of the, the size profile you want, 34-plus-inch arms, 6'5", plus, 300-plus pounds. Like he kind of hits all the thresholds. Just seems like he kind of peaked during 2020. He didn't really take a jump going into 2021. So I think he's a mid-day three type of player that's sort of a developmental offensive tackle, but I just don't think he has taken that step necessary to be you know, in that, in that true middle-round type of tackle. I think he's more late um, later round type of pick. Fantastic stuff right there. Ryan Roberts from the Believe Podcast Network, host of NFL Draft Prospects, analyst for RiseAndDraft.com. You can find him on Twitter at RiseAndDraft. Uh, great stuff. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for during this draft season? Well, I mean, we're going to be doing podcasting pretty much every day on the Believe and NFL Draft Prospect Podcast. So if you want to do subscribe to the YouTube or you know listen on any podcast platform, we'll be doing coverage every single week. If you also want to go check out RiseAndDraft.com, we'll have written content every single day just trying to highlight as many players as possible some of the risers fallers and, and every every type every number that you should know from the week there it goes hey fantastic stuff my man i definitely appreciate you and as we get a little bit farther down the line we'd love to have you back on again and pick your brain some more oh, absolutely fellas i really appreciate it thank you so much good stuff ryan roberts fantastic hit right there from the believe podcast network again give him a follow on twitter at rise and draft that's the letter n draft at rise and draft 250 is the time when we come back i've got a solution to the movie situation and i've got audio evidence that it does exist it exists demon it exists we'll talk about it next it's radio nation radio 920 welcome back to unnecessary roughness here on raider nation radio 920 i'm gonna have to kick you you know what today here's your boy q Man, you should have seen DeMond running. I ain't never seen some short legs like that run as fast as you just did. You just did your best 40-yard dash. This dude just ran from another building, avoided That's like an obstacle real quick. It was like you were on a, on a mission. Also, you can be right about a movie. I've got it ready for you. All right. That, hey, look, that's well done, young man. Well done. That's what I'm talking about. Coming up at the top of the hour, we got covered three NFL news and notes of the day, but we haven't heard from you, Raider Nation, in a while. I know we've been busy with some guests, so I do want you to chime in on the conversation we've been having so we can always push cover three a little bit. Would you rather trade for Devontae Adams to provide a true number one weapon for Carr or trade for J.C. Jackson to provide a shutdown corner. Both guys I expect to be franchise tagged by their respective teams, the Packers and the Patriots. But what really matters is when I know that something's going on and I'm right, but I can't put my my finger on it because I'm not a movie guy. You're halfway right. I, that's all I need to be. <laughs> that's all I need to be. I'm not a movie guy. I just told Damon in the commercial break, you would hate my life. If you had to live in my house, you would hate the environment because it's work, 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 work. Okay, we're off. What are we watching? Law and Order SVU or something funny. You know what I mean? It's like it's never it's never outside. the. the there's no outside bubble. It's not. And, and so when the wife and kids, we get to go out somewhere, they're like, oh, thank God. Thank God we get a little bit of relief from this guy's normal life. Like my life is such in a circle. It is a little small bubble. So every once in a while, I'll see a movie and I'll only see a part of it. And I'm like, oh, man, what movie was that? That was actually kind of funny. And it'll take me three or four times to actually get to see it because I'll either fall asleep on it or something will happen. I can't tell you how many times we've seen that. Here we go again. That Michael B. Jordan movie where it's, uh, I don't know, his girlfriend got burned up or something like that or whatever movie that was. I can't is tell he you. Like, is he like a super soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without remorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've tried to see that thing about eight, eight times, and I've never got through like half of it. I always fall asleep. asleep? Yeah, oh I always fall God, asleep. But it's always late when I start watching it. That's why. I get tired, man. Work hard. Anyway, 
We were talking about the only argument I need is that Michael Jordan has six rings and LeBron doesn't. And he's never won or whatever. Whatever the argument was. And I told you it was in a movie. And thank you to so many different people that tweeted at us and sent us text messages. Apparently, bad teacher is what it's from. You're out of your mind. There is no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Nobody will ever be Jordan, okay? Okay, LeBron's a better rebounder and passer. Will you let me finish? Can you, can you let me finish? Call me when LeBron has six championships. Is that your only argument? It's the only argument I need, Sean! Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and I promise you, even though that's, that's correct, it's been bad teachers, I think it's in role models as well. Because See, now he's doubling down. No, I'm serious. I'm to... serious. No, I'm serious. Because aren't they the guys that were on tr- in trouble? I like stupid movies like that. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of movies you're gonna get me to see. Is stupid movies that'll make you laugh. Aren't those guys dudes that got in trouble and they had to like babysit this this young bruh? And I think I was arguing about LeBron and Mike. And then that's when he's like, "That's the only argument I need." I think it's in role models too. I know it's in Bad Teacher because we got evidence. Got the evidence. I'm just saying. Raider Nation, I salute you. Thank you so much. 258 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.